Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we've come to the great feast of Corpus Christi, the feast of the body and blood of Jesus. I'd like to reflect a little bit on the origins of this feast and the celebration. The origins are in an extraordinary event that happened in 1263. There was a priest called Peter of Prague. He was making his way from his home city to Rome on pilgrimage. He stopped in the Italian town of Bolsena, and there he was celebrating Mass. Now, Peter of Prague was a a pious man, but he harbored doubts about Christ's real presence in the Eucharist. Well, they say that during that Mass, after he consecrated the host, the host began to bleed, and the blood ran down his hands and his arm, and then it stained the corporal on the altar. Well, Peter Prague was flabbergasted by this. What he did was he ran to the nearby town of Orvieto. That's where the Pope was staying, Pope Urban IV. He knelt down before the Pope. He confessed his sin of doubting the Eucharist and told him this extraordinary story. The Pope sent a delegation of cardinals to investigate. They found the corporal with the blood on it, and they brought it back to Orvieto. The Pope was so moved by this report that he went out to meet the entourage, and then he brought this corporal back to Orvieto. If you want to see it, it's still in the cathedral at Orvieto. It's in a side chapel. I saw it last spring when I was in uh, Italy. Well, Pope Urban IV decided to establish a feast that would celebrate the real presence of the Lord, that would celebrate the Eucharist. And so the Feast of Corpus Christi was founded. Now, traveling with Urban IV during this period was the greatest theological writer of the time, possibly of all time, St. Thomas Aquinas. So the Pope asked Thomas to compose an office for the feast. That means the text for evening prayer, morning prayer, for the Mass, for the second evening prayer, etc., etc. Well, the texts that Thomas Aquinas composed are surpassingly beautiful. And they've been used by the Church ever since, up to the present day. They're known for their great poetic beauty and also for their theological exactitude. So we can learn an awful lot about this feast and about the Eucharist by studying some of these beautiful hymns and poems that Thomas wrote. The best known, oh, maybe people of a certain age listening to me would remember these texts. The best known is called the Pange Lingua. The second to last verse of that hymn commences with the lines, Tantum Ergo Sacramentum. Some listening to me remember the days of benediction when that was a very popular hymn. Now, of course, benediction is making a comeback, so maybe some younger Listeners, too, read those lines, hear those lines. What I want to do is just to comment 
on a few of the most striking passages in Thomas Aquinas' office for Corpus Christi, it helps us to understand what this feast and this sacrament are all about. Here's the first one. In the third verse of the Pange Lingua, Thomas says, Chibum turbe duodene se dat suis manibus. That means he gives himself as food with his own hands to the twelve. Is there any lovelier and more accurate way to state what the Eucharist is? Jesus feeds his disciples by his own hands with his own flesh. Just think for a minute how moved you would be if the host at a meal, someone's invited you to their home for a meal, if the host were himself to serve the meal with his own hands, if he came around and personally served you your dinner. Well, Christ did that and much more because the food that he served was himself, his very body and blood. Thomas says, Sedat suis manibus. He gives himself by his own hands. Now, how did Christ manage to give such a gift? The next verse tells us, Thomas writes, Verbum caro panem verum, verbo carnem efficit. That means the word made flesh by his word makes true bread flesh. I can't imagine a clearer and more succinct statement of the church's faith in the Eucharist. Again, verbum caro, the word made flesh. Verbo, by his word. Panem verum, real bread. Carnem, efficit, makes flesh. Who is Jesus? Not one figure among many. Not one prophet among many. But the very word of God made flesh. And that word is the power by which the universe was created. What the divine word says is. God's word does not merely describe. It makes. It constitutes. That's why he can affect a change at such a fundamental level. Making what is true bread into his very flesh, what is true wine into his very blood. Just as God's word spoke the bread and wine into existence, they constitute them so that same word can transubstantiate them, can change them at the very root of their being. That's why, as you know, the Catholic tradition has consistently maintained that symbolic language is inadequate to this reality. Jesus said himself in John chapter 6, My flesh is true food, my blood true drink. Thomas Aquinas sums up this tradition by saying, verbo carnem efficit, by the word, 
by His divine Word, makes the bread flesh. Yet, as we know, to all appearances, we are still dealing with bread and wine. Look up at the altar, at the Eucharistic table, you'd say, sure, there is bread and there's wine, even after the consecration. How does Thomas resolve this difficulty? Well, his resolutions contained in that famous stanza that begins with Tantum Ergo. Listen. Prestet fides supplementum sensuum defectui. That means, let faith come forward to supply the defect of the senses. Let faith come forward to supply the defect of the senses. Mind you, the senses in the Eucharist are not deceiving us. For they're taking in what's there to be taken in. We say in our theology that the accidents of bread and wine remain. It just means the appearances. The Council of Trent said the species of bread and wine, the appearance remain. And the senses take in that appearance. However, the senses don't reach to the deepest reality of the thing. What alone can give us access to that? Faith in the words of the one who has spoken. Prestit fides supplementum. Let faith come forward to supplement what the senses can't get. Now, you know, friends, lest this seem completely odd to you, there are lots of time in ordinary experience when our senses tell us one thing, but we know on the word of a trusted authority that something else is the case. I think I've used that example before of looking up into the heavens on a summer night, and you see all the stars arrayed there, and you say, well, there they are. Well, in fact, they're not there. In fact, what you're seeing is into the distant past, what was there, because it's taken all that time for that light to reach your eye. Well, who tells you the truth about this but a scientist whose words you would trust, though it runs counter to your senses? Or the more ordinary psychological experience of meeting somebody and he makes a, a bad first impression and we say, well, that guy, is, is, he's a jerk. I don't like that fellow. But someone else says, no, 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 I, I know he can give that first impression, but really he's a very kind, generous person. Once more, our senses are taking in one thing, but the word of a trusted authority tells us something else. So, the word of the most trustworthy authority, Christ, tells us what is there. Now, what's the effect of receiving such a gift, the gift of the Eucharist? Look at the second to last verse of Thomas's great hymn called Sacris Solemnis. He says this, Panis Angelicus, fit panis hominum, O res mirabilis, manducat dominum pauper servus, Humilis. That means the bread of angels becomes the bread of men. Oh, wonderful thing! The poor and humble servant can feed upon his Lord. Friends, the Eucharist allows us even now to participate in heaven. That's its deepest meaning. It's like manna 
that has come from a higher world, from the realm of the saints and the angels, that place where God is being praised. And so from it, we derive strength for our journey toward heaven. That's why in his theological writings, Thomas Aquinas refers to the Eucharist as viaticum, food for the journey, as nutrimentum, what nourishes us. And therefore that beautiful line, listen, ecce panis angelorum, factus cibus viatorum. Behold, the bread of angels has become the food of wayfarers. Who are the wayfarers? It's us. It's all of us here below making our journey toward heaven. What sustains us is this panis angelorum, this bread of angels, which gives us even now a participation in the life of heaven. Do you remember in Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, the elves, who are kind of types of angels, give a special bread to the members of the Fellowship of the Ring to strengthen them on their journey. That's a precise type of the Eucharist. Behold, the bread of angels has become the food of wayfarers. And so, friends, on this Feast of Corpus Christi, we realize the stupendous privilege we have to feed on the substance of the Lord, to eat and drink His body and blood served to us by His own hands. So many of the gods and goddesses of the ancient world demanded our subservient worship, but then there's a true God who is humble enough to offer himself to us as food that we might come to share his life. That's the gift we celebrate on this great feast of Corpus Christi. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.